chapter 4, please. Matthew chapter 4. And again, we're uh, continuing this week to look at part two. Part two of the king proving his worthiness. We saw the king's birth. We saw his proclamation. We saw his royal reception. Uh, now we are seeing him proving his worthiness. And we looked last week at temptation and uh, gave ourselves a little bit more understanding into that, that every single day we are brought to places of making a choice, okay? And whether or not we are going to succumb to the desires of our flesh or whether we are going to be tempted by the devil or the world to draw us into his sin or whether God presents us an option that he would like to see us make the proper decision to serve and follow him. And we dug into that pretty hard and, and just giving us understanding. Well, here we're seeing the Lord Jesus Christ again in his temptation uh, that he goes through and remembering that he is our high priest, our perfect, righteous, acceptable high priest because he was tempted in all points that we were yet without sin. And the reason that he can be that sacrifice for the sins of the world is because he lived here on this earth as 100% man and 100% God. And he was able to live through everything that you and I go through on a daily basis and never succumb to sin. And that made him capable of bearing our sins to the cross and paying for the sins of the entire world. And uh, just an amazing thought. And that's why we're talking about here the king and his worthiness because he proves that he can be who he's supposed to be because he does not succumb to any temptation. Okay, And God uh, reminded us, and we'll look at the verse again this morning when we're getting to be done, that he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that in exchange we might be the righteousness of God in him. And that's a rejoicing we can do every single day, that he exchanges our sin with his righteousness. And what a joy that is. So, um, Jesus was led away by the Spirit. Oh, we're almost there. I want to make sure our slides are up. Okay. Jesus was led away by the Spirit to be tempted this is, again, by review, the meaning of this is to be tried or tested or a cause to respond. And often we're tempted right after a victory, and I wanted to bring that to a point. Um, we teach this when we're going through discipleship, when we're going through discipleship too. Uh, over and over and over in the Scripture, uh, it's confirmed dozens of times that when God's people come to a place where they gain victory or whether they've come to a place where they've made a commitment the devil right, is right there to give us temptation. And it's something to be... Uh, there is a spiritual warfare going on every single day, and our enemy does not want us to succeed. Okay? So when something good happens, right afterwards something bad tends to uh, be brought before us, a temptation. When you make a commitment to the Lord, okay, and you stand up and say, Lord, I'm going to serve you doing dot, 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 don't be surprised if all of a sudden the temptation comes. Okay? Now, sometimes that temptation is the devil trying to say, no, no, you're not. Okay? You think you're going to serve God? Well, let's mess that up. 
On the other hand, sometimes God himself says, oh, you're ready to serve me? Well, I'm going to test you on that first. Yes? Now, again, if it was, how could God do such a thing? Listen, we do that all the time. How many of you went to school? Okay, duh, I don't even remember. Uh, okay, what school? Okay, how many of you are going to school? To graduate or to move up to the next grade, you were put to the test to make sure the things that you learned in that stage of your development sunk in, right? And you are not allowed to go on to the next grade or move from middle school to high school or from high school to college or from college to whatever, unless you were tested on the things you knew and you were ready to handle what was coming next. Yes? Okay, how about a job? How many of you have been up for a promotion? Okay, and the boss is like, all right, well, here's the uh, job descriptions. Here's what needs to happen. Do you think you can do this? Okay, and they might put you in a place or trial basis, or for the next six months, they're going to watch you and see if they think you're qualified to move on to the next position. But we give ourselves tests all the time to see if we're ready, right? Why would we not understand that God would do the same thing with us? We say, Lord, all right, I, I've been sitting for a long time. I, I really want to move on into something, Lord, and I want to step up, and I want to do what you want me to do. And God says, okay, let's see if you're ready. So sometimes we have to realize that God wants us to uh, prove that we've learned what we're supposed to learn. Uh, and that's why, guys, uh, I was just speaking to somebody the other day about uh, when someone leaves a church because they come to a point where something in their life bothers them and there was some, a message that was preached really I couldn't believe they said they said they moved to the next church you know what happens they stay there until that issue is confronted again okay and then all of a sudden they're oh, they got to move someplace else the issue is they have something in their life that keeps returning and until they deal with it until they learn it, until they're tested on that issue it keeps coming back God is under, uh, understanding us very well. He knows exactly what we need to. So, everything we're going to talk about this morning is looking at how Jesus handled the temptation. Okay, and I want to bring that into, into light this morning. That don't be surprised if not only we get tempted to do what is wrong, but God says, huh, you know, Brother Dan in Sunday school has been really looking about the tender care that we ought to have for one another as a church, that we're in this family and that household of faith. And that if you're not stepping up and being and considerate and looking after those folks in your own immediate family, don't be surprised if God gives you a little bit of an opportunity to see if that's sunk in or not. Yes? Okay, so not only do we get tempted to do evil, and again, I want to make sure that we're understand we say temptation and people are like oh i hate temptation well i don't necessarily like it either but it's not always for the bad sometimes the temptation is to prove whether or not what god has been working on our heart has sunk in all right um don't we do that with our own children one of the big days in your life is you might be 12 or 13 or whatever and mom and dad say well we're going to go to the store well i don't I was doing something, Mom. I don't know. No. Mom and I are going to the store. We're going to leave you home. 
<gasps> by ourselves? Okay, yeah, <laughs> Andrew just said it. Party! Okay, and you know what mom and dad are doing. Okay, let's see how they handle it. They know, they, they ought to know by now what to do when we're not home. Say, and then you know what happens. Mom and dad drives out, waits about 15 minutes, and then comes right back by the house real slow. Make sure, okay, the house is not burned to the ground yet. Right? As mom and dad understand the level of responsibility you can handle, sometimes it's given to you. And what happens? Party! And then you blow it, and then, okay, it's going to be a little while again before we let them home by themselves. Or you do the great thing, the kids are smart, Andrew, and they are like perfect, right? While you were gone, I buffed the floors, I dusted, I repainted the bathroom, right? Why? Because they want to prove to mom and dad, we can handle it when you're gone. Go some more, please. Don't be surprised that often God puts us in the situation where as we're learning, as we're growing, as we're gaining more responsibility, God allows us to exercise that to see how we're going to do. And as a church family and as a family of God, we need to be ready for that. So with that in mind, Jesus just came off of being baptized and a voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the next thing we have recorded is his temptation. Okay, he gets baptized, and we talked about the fact that baptism is that first step of obedience, that throughout the scripture, when somebody wanted to serve God and step up in the ministry, that they were baptized to prove that they were ready. Jesus is about to start his public ministry. He's baptized, and immediately after his baptism, he's tempted. Because he's ready to step up, and God is using the life of Jesus Christ, footsteps of Jesus, to remind us how our life in Christ will work. Oftentimes, when you step up and you're ready, and you say, Lord, I'm ready to serve, and I've done the things I'm supposed to, and temptation comes your way. Okay, with that in mind, uh, let's go to the next slide. Jesus fasted during this time of temptation. Now, this is very important uh, to frame this Oftentimes we think that there were three temptations in the midst of what Jesus was going through. Now, there are three temptations specifically listed, all right? But Jesus didn't fast for 40 days to get himself strong enough spiritually to deal with the temptations. Okay, and Dan and I, when we sat down, we had a... a kind of a table here in front. That was quite a few years ago where we talked about prayer and we talked about fasting. Please remember, fasting is never done for you and I to get something. You don't fast because, God, I need something so bad, God, I'm going to fast. We don't fast because, you know, I'm going to be super Christian after I fast. Okay? Fasting is designed to deny this flesh. It teaches me that Whatever temptation, whatever lust, whatever comes into my mind that I want to pursue, I can control this flesh and make it yield to God's Holy Spirit. Okay? It is never, ever designed to get brownie points from God. Okay? Just like prayer, right? You don't pray to get brownie points from God. Prayer is designed to bring us 
into submission to the will of God. Okay, you can make requests to God, but it's not a shopping list. Yeah, you can say, Bruce has got the surgery coming up. He's got heart issues. And Lord, heal. yeah, God could heal him. Yeah, he could. God be with the doctors. God could be with the doctors and deal with it. It is to remind us, thy will be done. It's not to change God. It's to change us. Well, same thing with fasting. Fasting isn't you bring forth this behavior in your life because now I'm going to bolster myself and I'm super Christian because I fasted. Because you remember what the Bible says? When you fast, don't darken your cheeks and walk around mopey and say, oh, I would help you, brother, but I'm fasting. No, it says when you do it, do it between you and the Lord because the design of fasting is not to get you credibility. It's not for you to be super Christian. It's not for you people to think you're ultra spiritual. It is for us to put away the desires and the weakness of the flesh. Now with that in mind, I want you to see this with Jesus because sometimes we qualify this. Jesus fasted for 40 days to prepare himself for the three temptations. Okay, Luke says it amazingly, all right? He was tempted. Look at what Luke says. Same story recorded by Luke. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, where he was baptized, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. Now, sometimes we don't necessarily plug that in. We think that Jesus went and fasted for 40 days, and then the devil just showed up at the end to give him three temptations. Okay, Luke makes it very clear, because remember, again, Dr. Luke wrote very specifically about things. Matthew is not necessarily focused the same way that Luke is. Luke says he was tempted for all of those 40 days by the devil. Excuse me. And it says, and in those days he did eat nothing. When they were ended, afterwards he hungered. So that's where we're picking it up in Matthew. Same story. So Jesus didn't fast that whole time so he can deal with Satan's temptations. He fasted all that time because he was being tempted the entire time and he was going to deny his flesh the lusts and the desires that the temptations were bringing forth. You with me so far? I want this to be understood because if we're not looking at this, we're going, all right, you know what? I need to fast and pray so that I'll be strong enough No, Jesus was being tempted the entire time. I heard one pastor put it this way. Jesus was so busy being tempted of the Lord and fighting, uh, tempted of the Lord, tempted of the devil and fighting that battle that he didn't have time to eat. Okay, for 40 full days, the devil was tempting him. And Jesus' response to that was, I'm going to deny my flesh any desire that it wants. Now, this is a lesson that you and I need to learn. It is not about bolstering ourselves and creating super Christian out of my own life so that I can defend against a temptation that might be coming. Um, I've been a Christian for 50 years. I've never reached the level of super Christian (laughs) And I never will. You cannot adequately prepare for temptation by doing something in your life to bolster you, to get you prepared. 
Because I guarantee you, whatever it is you are preparing for, Satan's going to come at you in something you're not prepared for. The Lord Jesus Christ was tempted for 40 days. You catch that again? Don't miss it. Being 40 days tempted. Okay, that's very important for what we understand this, that Jesus fasted for 40 days because he, it was his defense against the temptation. Now, how do you and I respond when we get tempted? We just complain and whine. This is so hard. Or do we do what Jesus did and say, you know what? I'm going to set aside every desire of my flesh and I'm going to focus 100% on my spiritual self and this warfare. Hey, Jesus took this seriously. Now, it says here, at the end of the 40 days, he was hungry. Duh. So that's where we pick it up in Matthew. So I want to read Matthew. I wanted to set this up first because as we looked to this, these temptations that are listed here that the devil presents to him are just three that occur at the end of the temptation. So he's been tempted for 40 full days and the devil brings out the big guns at the end. Why? Because at this point, Jesus' flesh is really hankering for a lamb chop. All right? Look, if you would, to uh, chapter 4. Let's read it together, starting at verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he hungered. And when the tempter came to, to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil, taking him up into a holy city, and setting him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and their hands shall bear thee up, lest that any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus said unto him, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And again the devil taketh him up to a seed, exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And he said unto him, All these things I will give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him alone shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Let's pray together, please. Father, uh, be with my mind, be with my words. Thank you for your word and what it teaches us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, which, Lord, tailors the message from your word to each one of our hearts when we read it. And so, Father, we're looking here at our Lord Jesus' example Lord, how he dealt with the temptations. Lord, how he denied his flesh and resisted the desires and the lusts and the presentation of the devil. And Father, I just pray that we would learn uh, this wasn't a long time of preparation for a one-day event. This was 40 days worth of temptation that culminated in him struggling 
with a hunger and a desire. And then Satan came when he was at his most acceptable toward these temptations. But he still did it without sin. And so, Father, I'm just thankful. Lord, uh, help us to learn today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, Jesus fought with the devil in his flesh for 40 days. Keep going. Two other men fasted for 40 days. An interesting thing, you can study this out. Uh, Moses and Elijah both, uh, study, uh, both fasted for 40 different days. Moses and Elijah both fasted in the same area um, for 40 days. Interestingly enough, and I never get a chance to ask Dan about this because he's visited the Holy Land, that uh, they talk about the place where Jesus was tempted. Okay, And I never really got a conference for that. But you know what's interesting to me? Uh, Number one, about the Holy Land, uh, if you look at it and been visiting, and even if you look at different um, tours that you could take, um, for a buck, they'll tell you Jesus uh, walked here and walked here and ate here. You know in America, the old adage, Washington slept here. You've heard that before, right? Okay, yeah. George Washington never went anywhere near there. But you could just say he did, because who knows where George Washington was. Well, interestingly enough, I can't tell you exactly where Jesus was tempted, but I'll tell you what, if uh, Moses was temp- uh, fasted for 40 days in the wilderness, Elijah fasted for 40 days in that same wilderness, I wouldn't be surprised if the Lord Jesus fasted for 40 days in that same wilderness too. Okay, Because over and over the word of God is consistent. Anyway, interesting case study. If you'd like to go look at those three men who studied, uh, oh, I keep saying that, who fasted for 40 days. Interestingly enough, Jesus is the only one who didn't fail. Again, the whole title of today, again, is Jesus Proves His Worthiness as King. Okay, in the, both of the, those men's fasting, they blew it. Jesus came through the fasting without any problem, was with no sin. Just a side note, that's a FYI for you. All right, keep going. Um, at the end of the 40 days, the devil presented three specific temptations to Jesus. Now again, oh, I referenced this last week. Uh, the Word of God gives us a, a kind of an insight into categories of uh, sin that you and I can fall in. And First John says it. I got the verse up here, right? We've heard it before. Okay, for all that is in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of this world. And it's amazing, there are several instances in the scripture that you can see this presented, that we're t- tested in the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And all sin can be qualified under these umbrellas. Okay, and again, if you look it up, you can Google it. They'll talk about the seven deadly sins. They'll talk about all kinds of different stuff. God doesn't bother with that mess. But he does remind us that when it comes to our temptation, the things that can draw us in to sin, they fit under these three umbrellas. As a matter of fact, if you want to look at it, keep going. Um, The temptations stem from these three, the lust of the flesh, is a sensual desire contrary to the word of God. It's actually lusting after, wanting something. Oftentimes when we think of the lust, lust word, we think it only has to deal with sexual sin. Um, there's a lot of things that we desire after. Um, 
the, if you want to break that phrase down to its original meaning, okay, it means to be hot for something. Okay, now a lot of times we'll think of that as, you know, a physical desire for, you know, a sexual or sensual purpose. But you know what? I've known fo- folks for a long time, and I know people who can be hot for chocolate or hot for coffee. Oh, or did I say that out loud? Did I, say, I didn't say that out loud, did I? I'm sorry. Hot for pizza, okay? It just means you see, you desire something so much that you're drawn after it, okay? Now, ain't nothing sinful necessarily about pizza or coffee or chocolate. Don't go home and say, Pastor told me to throw all my chocolate out. If you do, put it in a bag, bring it to my house. Okay. Okay, the lust of the eyes means coveting, wanting. It is an outward materialism. So you have a desire for something as the lust of the flesh. I want that so much. The lust of the eyes is something that has to do with coveting and the way we're presenting ourselves to the world. I just need that purse so bad. It goes with my shoes. Okay? You can put anything you want in there. Okay? And then, of course, the pride of life, and that is uh, self-sufficiency and arrogance. Self-sufficiency is probably the one I'd like to hone in most on. Um, We have this idea that if we get something, it'll make our lives better and we'll be better off for it. Um, sometimes it's, I don't need God, but oftentimes if I would get this position or this promotion or you name it, okay, it fits with under. Now all of these have to do with a desire in our hearts for something, but they're categorized. Is it just something we just want because we yearn for it? Is it something we want because it just looks so beautiful on them? I covet that. I covet their house. I covet their car. I covet. Th- or is it something that's going to make us look better than everybody else? Well, look at that preacher. It must be nice driving that brand new Mercedes Benz. He must be doing really well. I'll tell you what. I say that because there are a lot of preachers right now who are preaching that. That you ought to be wearing fancy $5,000 suits and driving, uh, excuse me, being driven in your Rolls Royce back and forth to church. Okay, why? Because it just makes me look so much more professional and God must be blessing my ministry because look at all the fancy things I've got. Okay, you understand how these things boil down, all right? Interestingly enough, these are the same three that Eve was tempted in in the garden. Okay, she says, oh, look, the tree was good to look on. Okay, I have a lust of the flesh. It's good for food. I want to eat it. Oh, man, look at that. Now, if this was a great big fire-kissed T-bone steak, Maybe I might be going, I don't think I've ever looked at a fruit hanging on a tree and going, oh, baby. But this is the idea with with Eve here. She sees this fruit, and she says, boy, it looks like I'd love to eat that. It was good for food. Number two, it was pleasant to the eyes. Okay? Lust of the eyes. And then the pride of life. It would make me wise. Oh, he's the 
devil says, I'll be like God. See these three temptations? Over and over you can see this. When you look at the sower and the seed, there's an implication for all of these actually through the Israel falling over and over and over throughout the judges and stuff. It's a lot of these three same categories that the temptations fall under. Keep going. With Jesus, same three. He says, when the tempter come and said, if thou be the son of man, you're hungry, you've been fasting for 40 days, you got a desire to eat something, don't you? That lust of the flesh. You want to consume something that will give you pleasure. He says, turn these stones into bread. Now, the or- I will warn you, the order's different. If you look to Luke, Luke lists them, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Matthew lists them, lust of the flesh, pride of life, lust of the eyes. The second one, pride of life, the devil taking them up to a holy city and sit them on the pinnacle of the temple and said, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, he'll give angels a charge over thee. And in their hands, lest they bear thee up, lest they, uh, at any time they dash their foot. Pride of life, you're the son of God. Show me. You're so important that if you threw yourself off of this high pinnacle, you won't even crash on the ground because the angels will take care of you. Come on. If you're God like you say you are, flex your power here a little bit. Show me. And Jesus, of course, didn't. Last one. Lust of the eyes. And again, the devil taketh them up to exceeding high mountain and showeth all the kingdoms of this world. Don't they look awful? Uh, awful. Uh, awesome? All the glory of them? He says, look at all these kingdoms. I'll give them all to you if you'll just bow down to me. Lust of the eyes. See how beautiful, see how amazing this is? I'll give it all to you. See these three temptations? Same three presented at Eve, the same three listed by John in 1 John. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Where's your temptation coming from? Do you have a desire to fulfill your lusts in pleasurable things? That's what we're talking about. I just love chocolate. I really don't. I'm not the big dessert person. Someone in my household likes chocolate. I won't mention her name. Oh, yeah, Micah, too. That kid, man, you'd offer a pizza, and he'd say, can I have chocolate? You know, just, he was chocolate fanatic. Anyway, talking about a pleasurable thing that your body your flesh wants. It might be a sensual thing. It may be something like drugs or alcohol or cigarettes or something that you know that God doesn't want you to be involved in. Now, please be careful. Uh, It might be chocolate. Now, the Bible doesn't say anything that's wrong with chocolate, but the Bible does say if you make a vow to the Lord that you're not going to do something and you do it, that it's wrong. If you say, Lord, you know what? You told me no more coffee, Father. I'm not going to drink any more coffee. I'm making that commitment to you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But you better be careful. 
because you now made a promise to God. Now, I'd do anything for a cup of coffee. You see that? I'm just trying to put into our mind this desire. This, I just want it. How many people have ever smoked before? And after dinner, cigarette was a big thing, right? After you ate, you went out and had a ciggy. Okay. So, you know, remember, I, I don't know if I ever told you, when I was a kid, we had a dog with no, arm, no paws, no back legs, no front legs. And we named him Cigarette. Because every day we'd take him out for a drag. <laughs> anyway. So, so, sorry. I couldn't, couldn't resist that one. Anyway. So many of us have that. I just ate. I, oh, boy, I really want a cigarette. But you know you made a commitment to the Lord that you're not going to. That's that lust of the flesh. That desire. Okay, Eve had, man, guys, is that what your struggle is? Maybe it's a lust of the eyes. Maybe you covet a lot of things. That new smartphone comes out. You just got to have it. Or the newest whatever. Because it's something you really just want because you think that uh, it'll make you happy. Or maybe it's the pride of life. Maybe just something comes out there and you feel so bad about yourself that you're willing to do whatever it is that it has to happen for you to look more important, to feel more important. You understand that these things are a daily struggle for us. And they fit in. Know what's great? If you know what category it's under, you know how to handle it a little bit better. Maybe there's somebody in your life who you're an accountability partner for, who also is struggling with a couple of these areas. God gives us understanding so that we can have a better defense. So, number one, learn to deny your flesh the sinful thoughts and things that it wants because Jesus fasted for 40 days to deny his flesh. Number two, sometimes it's good to realize where your weakness is because there's three specific areas where those temptations and those attacks can come from. Keep going. Jesus' defense was to quote the word of God. This is a verse that sometimes, and guys, uh, I've had people right in this ministry, in this church, when we said, hey, we're going to, as a church, we're going to memorize scripture together. And I've had people look me right in the eye and say, I don't feel, feel like memorizing scripture with you guys. I don't think it's that important. Well, if you want to continue a life that struggles with sin, don't consider God's word important. Now, am I making up? You can look it up in your own Bible. This verse does actually exist. Okay? As a matter of fact, uh, guys who went through uh, our Olympians clubs downstairs, what does the, uh, the end of the pledge to the Bible say? And I will hide... God's word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Come on, you you, you memorize. It might have been three years ago, five years ago. You ought to remember that. I remember that. I'm 50. Never mind. Okay. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Jesus, when he was presented the three temptations by the devil... When he was at his weakest point after this 40 days of temptation and fasting, when his body was hungry and weak, Jesus' defense was to use the word of God. Now, 
interestingly enough, we'll cover, I don't want to jump ahead of myself. Hide God's word in your heart. Know the truth because that is the best defense. He says, thou shalt not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of it. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not worship any other God, but God himself will you serve. He had a Bible verse to defend against whatever temptation the devil was throwing at him. Now, maybe word for word is not your thing. That's okay. Okay, here's the key. Okay, it's knowing the word, not just quoting the word. Right, and this is why this is very important. Keep going. Look at what the devil does. Satan knows the Bible and will misquote it to cause doubt. Get this. The devil knows the Bible better than you know the Bible. Okay, with the second quote, he says, uh, doesn't the Bible say that the angels will take care of you, Jesus? So, you know what? That's what it is written. You remember what he said with Eve? Yea, hath the Lord said? And he misquotes the scripture. He says, Eve, I want to remind you what the word of God was. But he twists it. Notice with Jesus, in all three of these quotes, the devil says, if thou wilt. If you will. He's continuously trying to cause us to doubt. So memorizing a verse is great. But if you don't know the verse and what it means and how to apply it into your situation, right? Uh, Lord, I really, really, really am having a struggle with, uh, with drugs. But the Bible says Peter walked on water. What does that have to do with anything? Just because you can quote a scripture doesn't necessarily mean it is the one you need. That is why it is so important that you and I meditate and learn the word of God and know it. So that when the devil does come to us with an opportunity to do something that we know we ought not to do, we can say, uh-uh, devil, my Lord tells me in his word, dot, dot, dot. This is why this is so important. I don't say read your Bible every day because I've got a checkbook somewhere that I'm keeping track and I'll tell you, didn't read this week, didn't read this week, didn't read this week. You're kicked out of the church. No, we emphasize being in God's word every day because it is the one thing that the Lord Jesus Christ himself used in his defense against the devil. I love this. <laughs> There's a quote that comes out on a radio show that I listen to often. Jesus, when he was tempted of the devil, did not say, do you know who I am? Now, that could have been Jesus' response, right? Jesus could have said, pow, and the devil would have been gone. Jesus didn't flex his spiritual muscles at all. He went right to the scripture and defended himself the same way any other human being would. Now, I'm not going to cover this today. If we were doing this in a teaching situation, I would remind you, and you can go look this up and do a little homework on it if you want, that one of the most diabolical parts to this temptation is that the devil wanted Jesus to bypass the cross 
and show his authority and gain the victory over the devil before he got to pay the penalty for our sins. The devil's temptation here was not just, Jesus, I want you to fall. Because the devil knew Jesus could never fall. The devil knew that. What the devil was trying to tempt Jesus to do is to sidestep the cross and flex his almighty God powers before the right time. Interesting thing. You know what? The devil, he may not be able to do, get you to do wrong, but he could get you to do the right thing at the wrong time. Interesting. Go look at that on the study on the side. But Jesus' response was scripture. He knew the word, not just could quote it from memory, but he knew the defense that he needed from the Bible. Please, folks, know your Bible. Know your Bible. Okay, if I were going to tell you that there are MS-13 gang members gathering here in this area of Monadnock and um, Cheshire County and prepare yourself to defend your home, what would you do? Eh, you know, well, whatever. I'll just continue to be a couch potato. Or would you do things in your life to get yourself ready for an an attack that you know is coming. Well, guys, we have a Bible, and a temptation and an attack from the devil is eminent always. Get in the Word and learn it. Use it. Know how to handle it. And please, while we talked about those three areas of temptation a little earlier, if one of those is where you're struggling, bolster yourself with the Word of God. Lord, I'm having a problem with, you know, just general pleasure desires. I want chocolate. I want pizza. I want this flesh is running me down. Well, get in the Word of God and learn about verses about mortify your flesh. Get in God's Word. Okay, keep going. Note, three ways to mishandle Scripture. He added to it, took away from it, misapplied it. Whole nother sermon. Make sure that you know the Bible and what it says. Because the devil will come and say... Is that really what God's word said? Or he'll say, well, if that's true, hmm, keep going. Notice, I love this, after Jesus quotes scripture and fights the devil off with the one thing the devil has absolutely no response to, the devil leaves. Now, isn't that great? The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We'll look at that verse in a second. But notice what it says in the same story in Luke. So it says, Then the devil leaveth him. Behold, the angels came and ministered to him. We'll be there in a second. Luke says, And the devil had ended all the temptation. He departed from him. What's that last word? For a season. Meaning he didn't leave for good. He only left for a little while. Folks, if the devil was ready to come back and uh, step up against Jesus, don't be surprised if you get a victory and you are able to resist temptation. He'll be back. Please. We're in a spiritual warfare. Sometimes we're cushy here in America and we forget. If you resisted the devil and he left because you quoted the word of God and you stood up the way Jesus did, he'll be back. He was gone for a season. Keep going. So what about us? 
says, it your, what a great phrase that Peter says. He just says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, I want to, we'll read a couple of verses in a minute. Um, please, 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 please. And this is one of those things where there's a fine balance. Remember Mark, remember Michael the archangel? And the Bible says that he would not even bring a railing accusation against the devil, but he said, the Lord rebuke thee. Please don't get strutting up there. Well, I am a Christian. I've been a Christian for so long. That devil just comes out, just resist the devil, and he leaves. I got no strength in me to resist the devil. There's nothing about my life, my being, my Christianity, my spirituality that gives me the power to resist the devil. What gives me the power to resist the devil? The word of God and, keep going, remember what Jesus said. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Right? And if you're familiar with that passage, it follows up with, go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. You and I have no strength. We stand in the Lord's strength. So when it says resist the devil and he'll flee from you, use the word of God. Remember, the one you're depending upon to fight the battle for you is the devil. Because the moment you and I think we're something special and can stand up to the devil, we're in big trouble. Okay, Acts. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Okay, when the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells in your life, you have power. But please make sure that we don't understand, we don't get this messed up. If Michael the archangel couldn't talk against the devil, don't think you can on your own. That is why it is so important to go back to the Word of God. Hey, the Lord Jesus has power in heaven and earth. He's given us the Holy Spirit, which gives us power, but it all comes through using this book. All right. So. Jesus Christ the Lord has been tempted in all the same ways as we will be. And he had the victory. Trust him. This is why this is all awesome. When a temptation comes in my, into my life, and it's heavy, and I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it, I can remember the one who has all power, the one who's given me all power, has been through all this and knows how to handle it. So I go, Lord, this is, this is big. Next verse. After a victory, you will be tempted. But here's the verse. And that's back to, there's a season, and maybe God's giving you the victory, but the devil will be back. There is no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God, who is faithful, who will not suffer you to be able to, uh, to be tempted about that we are able but will with the temptation make a way to escape that you will be able to bear it. I like the armor of God passage in, in Ephesians is great. 
right? You're supposed to put on that whole armor of God that you can stand against the wiles of the devil and done all to stand, withstand, and stand. We don't have to do the fighting. God does the fighting for us. We stand. But you know what? In all those things, the helmet, the breastplate, the feet, the belt, the, the you know, everything, he's only given us one offensive weapon. You know what that offensive weapon is? Come on, somebody remembers it. Thank you. Derek's holding it up in the back. The sword. Please remember, if you're going to fight against temptation, do it the way Jesus did it. Use the word of God. Well, I've been walking in the faith for so long, I can handle whatever the devil throws at me. <laughs> and watch yourself fall flat on your face. Not a game. We need to know how to handle it. So Jesus denied himself in the flesh by fasting. That's what he taught us. It's not just cruising along until a temptation comes your way and then, oops, what am I going to do? Jesus was showing us, you know how to win a temptation, a heavy one? Learn how to deny your flesh, the lusts and the desires, on just regular basis. Okay, number two, learn how to use the word of God. Not just quote it, not just hide it in your heart to say, all right, I memorized 12 verses this week. Know it enough to know how God uses the sword to protect yourself. And then please remember that if we do it the way Jesus did it, we can resist the devil and he will flee. Not forever. He'll be back. But if you do it the way Jesus did it, we have a way to depend on that power of God. Okay. Remember um, when Jesus said, don't be surprised as this world hates you. It hates me too. But remember something. I have overcome the world. It's the same, same idea. The devil hates us. He's going to keep throwing temptations at us. We can't handle it on our own, but he can in us. Amen. Last little bit here. Hide God's water in your heart so you can know when temptations come, and they will. Know that the devil misuses the Bible to bring doubt. So know the word of God. Last slide. I love this. Now, how many of you ever really been dragged through the mud and really a tough time, and the devil's tempted after you, and you, man, you were getting beat up pretty bad. Okay, I've been there. It said when the devil left Jesus, the angels came and ministered unto him. Now, I don't know if I've ever had an angel minister unto me for real. Uh, we know there are angels unawares in this world, but I love this next verse in Hebrews. Are they not angels, all ministering spirits, sent forth to minister the, to them who shall be heirs of salvation? Even when Jesus gives us the power to fight these temptations in our flesh through the word of God, and we can have the victory over it, and we finally get done with it, and we're like, man, I don't want to go through that again. Understand that we have ministers who come our way. And the ministers ministered to Jesus. The angels ministered to him after his temptation. The Bible says that we've got angels that will minister to us. God's got this thing covered from front to back. 
if we would prepare ourselves ahead of time, if we would learn to use the same tactics that Jesus did, and then even when we get through the temptation, we have those that God's going to bolster us and pick us up and take care of us even when we're done with it. Man, I love the fact that he's got all the bases covered. He doesn't leave us hanging out there to fight our own battle. Being uh, one of God's kids, he's given us everything we need. How awesome is that? When we're tempted and we can't come, <coughs> we can come through it the way Jesus did, we'll be ministered to and strengthened. Every day, you're presented with choices. What will you do? What will I do? Um, isn't it great to know? And again, the theme and what Matthew was focusing on is Jesus proved his worthiness to be king through his handling of the temptations. But he also left us an amazing uh, thing. And this is why when I picked that song, Footprints of Jesus that Make the Pathway Grow. We will follow the steps of Jesus wherever we go. Because he laid out exactly the way that you and I can handle what the choices might have to be, whether it's serving God or whether it's temptations that are coming to cause us to fall into sin. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that uh, as we share this together, I don't want to stand up here and make it look like I got it. Lord, please remind me on a daily basis that you have walked this walk. You were tempted in all points as we, yet without sin. You paved the way. You laid it out clearly on how we can Get away from the temptations. You promised that you would always make a way of escape. And so, Father, maybe that's literally fleeing and getting out of the situation. Lord, maybe it's putting into practice exactly what Jesus did. Living a life that knows how to put aside the flesh. Paul said, I keep under my body. I bring this body into subjection. And Lord, for me, sometimes that's a a struggle. But Lord, also understanding that if we would know the Scripture understand the sword that you've given us the one offensive weapon that lord just like you were able to resist the devil by quoting god's word the victory came and then father i am so thankful that you did not leave us here without help father from start to finish we have the ability to put aside to mortify this body Lord, we have the ability to defend ourselves with the word. And Father, we have the joy of knowing that there are ministering spirits here in this world who even after the temptation are here to take care of us and build us back up. Lord, you didn't leave one spot uncovered. So Father, thank you for your example. Lord, help us even today to live a better life prepared to deal with temptations. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if I can have the gentleman come up tonight, uh, this morning, please.